America. Say, a working vacation. You have the hands of a craftsman. You are good with machines. I do, I'm good at it. You have done much singing. All men are sinners. Everything I've done, I've had good cause to do. You have a secret. A man can be rich if he has God in his heart. I don't think God's very interested in me, Father. Shot of this movie is filled with emptiness. Really, 
here for all it's worth, and it ends up being quite effective. As far as the plot being simple, you know, it's true that this movie doesn't really hold very many surprises. What you think is going on throughout the movie is, is what ultimately is going on. Uh, but I found enough depth, I think, in Clooney's performance to sort of excuse that because, you know, whether or not the audience's suspicion is correct, he doesn't really know, or he does. You know, what, one thing that I really enjoyed uh, about this movie, and I, I'm treading somewhat the spoiler territory here, but this is such a sparse movie that, I mean, it's not really, you know, it, it is what you, what you see is what you get with this movie. But one of the joys of this movie is studying Clooney's performance here as he's building this rifle and seeing what's going through his head as he's doing it. I mean, I, I kind of hesitate to give this away, but you get the sense throughout the movie that he thinks or he is suspecting that this rifle could be used on him at any point, and he, he keeps on doing it anyway. I mean, that's an endlessly fascinating character choice for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Clooney, to his credit, and we'll probably talk about this later, you know, this is one of his better performances in a career that has, you know, many, many very good performances, which we'll talk about later. My wife brought up a great point last night on our way home from the theater. For this kind of movie, which somehow got a lot of release from focus features in Universal, where so much of it is silent and reliant on physicality, you couldn't ask for a better leading man than who else but the biggest movie star in the world, George Clooney. But Clooney plays it so straight and keeps this guy's emotions so pent up that by the time we see any kind of release, it feels just a little phony or maybe a little inorganic, including as a highly skilled actor. I'm not questioning this guy's uh, choices. Not to say that he goes from one extreme to the other either, but I really wanted to feel the emotions of somebody who hasn't shown any for an entire film or most of his life, and not just see them, but for the most part, I really do totally buy Clooney here. Yeah, it's, it's a cold picture. There's no question that. But the, the few times that he does show emotion, particularly at the end of the film, were for me very effective. You know, I don't think this is perfect either. I think it's, I, I had a great time watching it. I think it is a movie that will deepen on repeat viewings. Uh, but I, I kind of took issue with the subplot with the priest a little bit because I'm not really sure what they were going for there. It didn't really come together with the main plot or really any of the things it was exploring in a way that was convincing to me. And also, for such a straightforward picture, there it is, the sort of flooding symbolism but I don't want to talk about too much that didn't work for me at mm-hmm. all. Um, and it was kind of regrettable. But other than that, I mean, I think that, that Clooney carries this film in such a way. I mean, this is a, this is a star-powered film. I mean, this is, this is uh, I mean, it's, it, I don't want to show my hand, you know, considering what we're going to get into later. But uh, I, think, I think he's great in this movie. I think this is a, an almost great movie uh, itself. And uh, I'm looking forward to see what Anton Corbin does in the future. Absolutely. And honestly, the film is really, for me, at its best when there isn't any dialogue at all. And there isn't really much of it at all. And I hate to simplify it to this, but a lot of the dialogue felt a tad corny and rushed at times. And the performances certainly didn't enhance or benefit from that. But I also thought that the score was a little ho-hum, mostly boring a few strong piano cues towards the end, especially. But the strengths are really the visuals, physical performances, and the themes that this movie gets at. And even from the start, 
definitely so the American is playing nationwide and in Tuscaloosa the top one sixteen sounds like Corey and I both liked it. When we come back we will talk about Robert Rodriguez's latest exercise in goofing off behind the camera, plus we'll offer up our top five George Clooney performances. This is Aspect Radio. Please do stick around. Welcome back to Aspect Radio with Ben Flag and I'm Corey Craig. Before we wander back into the realm of Clooney, we want to quickly touch on director Robert Rodriguez's newest film, Machete, which initially introduced as a big trailer on, as part of his and Quentin Tarantino's exploitation experiment at Grindhouse. Well, despite the poor box office take of Grindhouse, Rodriguez always talked about bringing Machete to the big screen, and he's made good on that threat as of yesterday's release of the feature-length film. Starting, starting Danny Trejo as the titular ex-federale seeking revenge, Machete is exactly what I've come to expect of Rodriguez lately. Stylized nonsense. With a tunnel planted so firmly in cheek, you leave the theater wondering if you've actually seen the movie at all. Rodriguez, as has been his custom in the last decade, fills Machete with a ton of bankable stars and character actors, including Jessica Alba, Steven Seagal, Jeff Fay of TV's Lost, Michelle Rodriguez, and Robert De Niro to act out his puerile revenge thriller with purposefully low-budget effects, 70s-style grindhouse silliness, and a self-aware style that, at least for me, quickly graded. Now, Ben, I know you haven't seen this movie, but I personally would love to see Rodriguez go back to making real movies, not, as our mutual friend Matt Scalise put it, constant links to the audience. Um, it doesn't get as bankable as Jeff Fahey, Corey. Character, I, I had a big character. I right. Cover <laughs> Jeff Fahey. Everybody else is somewhat bankable. I'd say, I, I still kind of want to see this movie, and Jeff Fahey is actually the, one of the biggest reasons why. He's the best part of it. Is he really? That doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Um, Corey, while well, there's plenty to like about a lot of what Rodriguez has done so far, I would single out five movies as being El Mariachi, Desperado from Dustal Bond, Sin City, and Planet Terror, which was part of Grindhouse. I think those are all fun movies, and both of them are even good. I think Sin City is probably overall his greatest achievement as a filmmaker. Probably. Um, but I just don't think that we can thrust Robert Rodriguez into that elite category of contemporary filmmakers. But really, nobody can deny that this guy's got talent. He really does. He can make movies. He's skilled. He's driven, extremely gifted technically as an editor and photographer. He often does both for his movies. And obviously somebody who high-level actors, many of whom you just mentioned, and you'll see him in his past movies, and other filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino, they want to collaborate with the guy. He might be fun to hang out with, I guess, and convince people. He might, he might be skilled at convincing people they're going to have a great time and make a great movie. What might impress me most about him is his knack for turning around his projects in almost a blink of an eye with these relatively low budgets and that look like, hey, real movies uh, from the trailers anyway. But I ask you, are you like me in thinking that Rodriguez has yet to really bottle the gifts that he does have and deliver something substantial to the art form? And in the end, do you think he is wasting his and our time? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, especially now. I'm not the biggest fan of Planet Terror or really anything that he's done this decade other than Sin City, which I liked a lot at the time, but now seems a bit style over substance, which I, I guess is true of most of his work. I, mean, I think that's a good thing, good way to put it. 
style over substance. The guy is resourceful. There's no question. He can turn around a slick-looking movie shot in his backyard for all intents and purposes. I and mean, Machete feels like it's shot on three sets. You know, one is in downtown Austin. And, you know, the whole time I've seen that, I'm just like, yeah, I've been there, seen that building, probably stood in that lot. But, I mean, there's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. I mean, he's not an artist, or he hasn't been lately. I mean, I think that you could make a convincing case for Desperado and from Dusk Till Dawn is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's just too self-aware. He's just trying to replicate a style and do this, this experiment, this grindhouse-type experiment. And, you know, I get the joke, but I've heard the joke before. Let's see how it else. Yeah. Yeah. They feel like exercises, right. not necessarily films. But that's a good point. That's, that's exactly what Machete feels like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's to see how many people he can, you know, shove into this movie and how many, like, little fine gags he can put in there. And there's so much plot for a movie that amounts to nothing. Well, and that movie is an extension of one of those exercises. And I thought that the trailer that he made for Grindhouse Machete, I thought it was brilliant. And I thought it was so much fun. And it added to that experience. It was probably right there with Eli Roth's Thanksgiving as the best trailer of that bunch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but I didn't necessarily, I guess at the time, everybody in the theater probably had a consensus thought of, I'd see that movie, you know, uh, just because they were having fun with it. But once Rodriguez took that reaction and said, okay, well, we're going to make a real movie out of this, I think people might have said, well, I don't think I really meant that I would see that movie. I think that I just liked what you did there, uh, Robert. Or I don't want to see that movie if it's just going to be one long, drawn-out, hour, 45-minute long, you know, nudge to the ribs. Mm-hmm. But so, I mean, you didn't, that, that feature-length version of that did not, I guess, repeat or have you re-experience what you did with the three-minute trailer? No. Not at all? Not, not really at all. I, I, and the thing is, this movie includes all of that footage, I think, from the trailer, or reshoots it in such a way that, you know, it masks better with the new footage. Um, and it's violent, and, I mean, it's, it, it's nuts. There's a lot of, like, you know, crazy Robert Rodriguez-style violence in this movie that just isn't fun. It's just not. It's, it, it's because I can't take it seriously, or I can't have fun with it in a way that, like, feels, I don't know, like something I haven't seen before, because I've seen this before. Yeah, and it, to me it looks like they kept the old footage from the old trailer and maybe just took that grainy film stock filter off of it that he probably had in post-production. Yeah, with the exception of the opening scene, which does have that, that old, like, scratched-up grainy. And he just abandons that? He just abandons that, yeah. Well, I think. I mean, I, maybe I just didn't notice it after a while. I kind of had an in house that was pretty consistent with Planet Terror from beginning to end, but you saw it in Death Proof, all these little tricks, these... The, the dirty film stock scratched up. You see that in like the first 10 to 15 minutes, and then it just it disappears. And I think that might have been his intention. I think so. Yeah, I think Tarantino said, okay, I'll play along here for a minute, but I actually do want to make a movie that I might can't be proud of. And whether he is or we are, that remains, you know, that, that's like well, I do like, like that. Right. Hopefully, we've had that conversation before. Definitely. Now, I, I do want to say it's nice to see Danny Trejo actually get a lead role and. I can't begrudge him this, and he does well. You know, he treads the tone that Robert Rodriguez is going for here, which is, you know, he half self-aware and then half, you know, him being a Charles Bronson type type vigilante, you know, and taking it totally seriously. Um, 
of seeing this movie actually got me thinking about in the 14 years that he sort of had a big screen career. He's not the most versatile actor in that, you know, I describe him like Cary Grant, and I think a lot of other critics have too. You know, he's generally playing a shade or a variation on his persona, but when he's utilized well, this is very effective. And the great thing about George Clooney, in my estimation, is that he's almost always utilized well because he has the, the, the smart, uh, he has the smart, he has the acumen to find directors who know how to use him, to find scripts that know how to use him. Yeah, I think he gets the material with pretty much every single thing that he does. I would say so. And he cares about it, and he wants to fulfill whatever the director's vision is, even if that is that George Clooney himself on screen and let him read the lines. Right, right. So, so in that spirit, uh, we're going to give our top five George Clooney performances. Uh, there are obviously a lot of memorable ones, a lot of made a lot of fun movies, a lot of very popular movies, won an Academy Award for one of them, as a matter of fact, and I don't know if that's going to show up on one of our lists, but uh, Ben, why don't you start with your number five? I'll start with one of my favorite movies from last year, and that's Fantastic Mr. Fox. I thought that that was actor. Yes, I thought that he did a great job, and people might question how likable the Mr. Fox character is, but I think that Clooney's voice gives this Fox such a gravitas that I don't think anybody else could. Sure. Uh, you, you're so familiar with Clooney's voice at this point. It, it's probably considered iconic for this generation. And again, like the American, you have this performance that dominates the movie that must, I guess, carry it. And um, it's nice to see him bringing Wes Anderson and Noah Bumbuck dialogue, number one. That's, that's yeah, that a pleasure. Uh, but this is a movie that was just a joyful experience for me from beginning to end. Surprisingly so, too. I didn't, I didn't expect to like this movie as much as I did. And Clooney was a big part of that. And it's, it's something that I like to revisit probably. I probably will revisit this for years to come now. And, and, and partially that's due to Clooney's just very smooth voice work. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And you get me thinking about uh, Anderson Bombay collaboration starring George Clooney uh, in, the, in the model of the Royal Ten Bombs. You know, Clooney playing a Gene Hackman type character in that movie. That, that, would, be, that would be terrific. Uh, my number five, uh, I don't know how much I need to say about it given the rest of the show, but it's the American. Um, again, it's an internal, very reactive performance, but he carries the whole film uh, as this very quiet man. Um, and we talked about it so much at the beginning of the show. I guess I'll short change it there, but, but I do really recommend that movie. Definitely. My number four is that Oscar-winning performance as Bob Barnes, this CIA operative uh, that's very cold, and uh, we talk about internal again um, in Syriana from 2005. I thought it was a good movie, but when Clooney was on screen, it morphed into a great movie. Um, and I thought the rest of it might have been a tad preachy, obviously, about the oil crisis, and these are things that Stephen Gagan just wanted to kind of throw at the audience and hope that it stuck. Um, and sometimes it did, sometimes it didn't. But nearly everything Clooney does in this movie, just of this troubled man who uh, has this, this is a character that resembles his American performance in a lot of ways, just somebody who can't escape his past and in this case doesn't really want to and he doesn't want anything else but the horrible things that he has experienced. Right. And it's if he if he dies doing it then fine with him, he might actually prefer that. But I just thought 
his his uh, performance uh, in the eponymous film uh, Michael Clayton. Uh, he plays a lawyer in a crisis of conscience. Um, and I don't want to spoil this movie, but it's been out for three years, and it really you should. You need to have seen it already. Uh, it's there's a statute of limitations as far as spoilers go, but um, I mean just. And again, another somewhat internal performance, but he gets these great lines from Tony Gilroy, uh, and he just goes after it. He just he sinks his teeth into this performance. He, he sinks into this man, who again another film carrying performance, another somewhat subtle performance. Um, the last shot of the movie is just his face, and it somehow sums up the movie better than anything else could have. I've heard people say that Clooney puts on a clinic in subtlety, like you said. into George Clooney's character's mind or something, or maybe it's not, or maybe, you know, 
uh, is uh, one you've already mentioned, it's Soderbergh's Out of Sight, uh, his performance as Jack Foley. And I really got to give credit to, like you said, the screenplay by Scott Frank, the source material by Elmer Leonard. I think the Clooney's a perfect fit for the sort of slick-talking Elmer Leonard con man that he plays in this movie. And it's, I mean, it's one of, I, I guess it is sort of the movie that announced him as, you know, after, after having played in One Fine Day in Batman and Robin and like the Peacemaker or whatever, you know. What is that Batman and Robin movie you're talking about? Yeah, that doesn't exist, does it? Um, but this sort of announced him as, as game, you know, for for serious filmmakers and for serious film fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so much fun to watch. You mm-hmm. just all the time. It's, it, it's, it remains one of my favorite Steven Soderbergh movies. I think it's as fun as Ocean's Eleven. I really do. I think it's right there, and it's as fun as any uh, mainstream thriller that they might throw out there. It's fun, and I think it would hold any audience's attention. It's just that well-written and performed by him and the supporting cast. And like you said, Jennifer Lopez, but you got guys like Steve Zahn, Rand Rangam, and Don Cheadle, too. Albert Brooks. Right, Albert Brooks is great, and clearly he plays off of all of them yeah. beautifully. And getting to my number one, I think that this might be quite a provocative choice here. Corey, coming out of left field from 1996, directed by Robert Rodriguez, my favorite George Clooney performance is from, from Dust Till Dawn. So you sort of tied in both of our topics here. I did. As Seth Gecko, this hoodlum bank robber um, on the lamb with his brother Richie Gecko, played by Quentin Tarantino, and what I think is a pretty good performance. Um, this was also sort of this introduction to Clooney as somebody who can make it in the movies. This movie was number one at the box office, but with a low number, uh-huh. it was at a slow time, I guess. I think it made like $10 million in its first weekend. But um, people were obviously used to Clooney as this television actor on ER, and I, it was obvious from the get-go that he was going to make the jump film. It was just a matter of time. And he did it with From Dust Till Dawn, something I doubt people expected him to do. This highly violent uh, vampire exploitation movie. Again, we go back to that theme in Rodriguez's uh, catalog, but I think that this is a stronger example of what Rodriguez has done in that regard. And most of the strengths come from Quentin Tarantino's script. And I think that the first half of this movie feels very much like a Quentin Tarantino movie, and then sort of takes that left turn and becomes this vampire movie and essentially a Robert Rodriguez movie. And I think that Clooney reads Tarantino's dialogue maybe better than anybody. And I wish that Tarantino might cast him again. I think a lot of people said that Inglorious Bastards, when they watched that, that role of um, Brad Pitt's character, Aldo Rain, was essentially written for George Clooney, even if he didn't realize it. And people thought that he might could have played that. I don't know. I think it might have been a little goofy. But I think that when you watch from Bustle Dawn and you see the toughness and honesty that Clooney brings to Seth Gecko, you believe it. You really do. And I think that it's an intimidating character. And what I think is the strongest aspect of this performance is that he doesn't even get top billing in this movie, which is kind of strange. If you look at the poster, yeah. top billing goes to Harvey Cattell. But the legend, you know, and a guy that has worked with Tarantino twice before this. And I think that Clooney steps up and gives it a title acting-wise in this movie. I think that he's the star of the show and what is otherwise just a pretty good movie and what I think is a great performance in Clooney's best. That's a really interesting pick. It's not 
Shop Girl. 
So who knows what, what's going on at Warner Brothers? 
is good marketing for making people just have interest in little films. And before we uh, finish our announcements, one thing that we should just say a word about is this recent news from the Transformers 3 set. Have you heard about this? This young woman was injured in what they said was a stunt involving flying cars and metal. What are your thoughts on that? Have you heard about it? I haven't heard too much about it, but given the chaos that sort of always it has been rumored to surround Michael Bay's sets. I mean, is anybody really surprised? Stand back on a Michael Bay set, that's what I say. I think she's 24 years old and is now in critical condition as a result of this shame. It really is, especially for a Transformers movie. Well, I heard that she, that uh, the studio has come out and said that she, I think, might have been an extra, but somebody who is not involved with the stunt. Yeah, that's what, I mean, apparently from what has been described, this was a freak accident. Yeah. Something went wildly wrong here and, and hit this poor woman who was not really even involved with the main action. Now, what's interesting is that Hollywood.com or just Deadline.com, they're reporting that the Paramount uh, account conflicts with the police report. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this. Meanwhile, this movie will still make $500 million hopefully we can next summer when yeah. it happens in 3D. So what's Michael Bay for them? Well, playing at the Bam Art House movie series next Tuesday is I Am Love with Tilda Swinton, which starts at 8 p.m. at the Bama Theater in downtown Tuscaloosa. Now, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. So, uh, I mean, it's very good that they brought this here. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I can't wait. I really can't. And as always, you can email any of your feedback to 90.7movies at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at aspectradio or twitter.com slash aspectradio. Download this and other episodes of the show on our blog at aspectradio.tumblr.com. We'll also post the podcast on Twitter and Facebook and possibly AL.com. Yes, we have started on AL.com, the state's largest website, which is exciting for us. It's tremendous. We have a platform, but you can check us out. We should be on the front page on Monday um, in the entertainment section. So it's not Alabama football, so you're going to have to scroll down a little bit, but look for a still maybe a George Clooney, and it'll have a podcast uh, logo. Well, and if you're from out of town, you come to town for the game, and you like what you hear, you can check us out on AL.com. That's right. And please do not forget to visit our friend Mass Collegiate's website, filmnerds.com, where you can find a really fun blog feature called The Great Scenes, where contributors offer up their all-time favorite individual scenes in film court. We're still waiting on yours. Many thanks to WVUA station manager Claire Brecker, program director Chris Dodson, 